0: Theboxingrand.com. Sorry, the number you dialed is not in service
1: at this time. Welcome to the tale of the tape. It's the pound for pound undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vim. It's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest. Like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on thevoxingramp.com. It's the pound for pound undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on thevoxingramp.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to the Tale of the tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and back with me, as always, my co-host, Vince Cummings.
0: What's going on, brother?
1: Big heavyweight action. Yes, sir. From the turning stone in Verona, New York. A good weekend to close 2015, man. It was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, our board makes us look good, huh?
1: Absolutely. Finally, we close with a bang. <laughs> um, and so does the one they call. King Kong conquers New York. Uh, before we get to all the post fight action from a pretty loaded finale, weekend finale of the year 2015, just want to remind all of you out there if you haven't subscribed to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes yet, please do leave us a review. It's much appreciated. And of course, the video version of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast is available to view on YouTube. Subscribe to the boxing rant youtube channel today as we are bringing you new episodes, new videos of the tale of the tape boxing podcast live from the washington dc metropolitan area as we will also be ramping it up with a few more than a few I should say, probably 5 6 more episodes coming in the next 2 weeks as we enter into the award season. We're going to be bringing non-stop action here at The Boxing Rant. Subscribe to The Boxing Rant YouTube channel. You can follow Vince on Twitter, at Vince Cummings 81. He loves to be heckled. <laughs> loves it. Who doesn't? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Twitter trolls uh, unite against The Boxing Rant. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Kenny Keith Jr. Drop us a line podcast at TheBoxingRant.com and let us know who you have for your fighter of the year, fight of the year. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us why. We'll read it on the show, a uh, a live recording of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast. All right, man, let's go ahead and just get right to it, right? Let's start it up. Episode 94 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast, HBO Boxing After Dark. Last night, December 19th, the Turning Stone Casino in Verona, New York. It was the WBA interim heavyweight title on the line bye-bye Jennings, Luis, King Kong, Ortiz. Um, Vince, this fight right here is as high a level of a heavyweight fight as you're going to be able to make in today's game.
0: Oh, yeah, and and the implications for the the winner and loser of this fight, man. It's huge, huge fight.
1: Yeah, it was an enormous fight. With so much flux in the heavyweight division, which we'll get to, um, this fight had so much on the line, especially for – Luis Ortiz trying to make a name for himself in the sport, and Bryant Jennings trying to prove that he is worthy and that he is ready to maybe take that next step to the levels of the Klitschkos of the world. Right. And the Furies. All right, let's get right to all the action here from Verona, New York. Um, Right out of the gate, Vince, Ortiz hurts Jennings with a short right hook. I mean, that thing was short and compact. Um, You know what? Even though Jennings was visibly hurt, and he looked like he was struggling to hang on i was c- completely mesmerized and really taken back and kind of adds to the myth of the pedigree of luis ortiz at how he was really he was more interested in trying to be accurate and trying to be precise than he was trying to go in there and just blow him out and risking it shows a lot of ring ring iq when a fighter has somebody hurt like that and they decide not to risk it all and blow their wad.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think what we saw with Ortiz there was a lifetime of boxing, amateur pedigree. He, he just he knew, look, he, I'm going to land that shot again, and I can hurt him at any point in time. There is no reason for me to go Danny Jacobs on him and just start swinging wildly, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the experience of Ortiz definitely showed through in that first round. With his patience. Jennings was in deep trouble after one. But the second round, Jennings comes out re energized, his eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew he was in a fight and he knew it was going to take everything that he had. So he came out scrappy, um, tried to implement some infighting. Ortiz, again, not wasting a lot of energy, not wasting a lot of movement, trying to negate the scattered attacks by Jennings. Um, good output by Jennings. Ortiz much stronger at range. Jennings getting frisky on the inside.
0: Yeah, yeah, you could tell Jennings was like, "All right, I'm going to have to muck this thing up." He starts putting his, his head into Ortiz's chest and and you know getting dirty, throwing punches on the inside. And I, I, look to me, that was the only chance he had in that fight, man.
1: Yeah, it did it definitely seemed that way after two. Oh, uh, he head to the third round and Ortiz rocks Jennings. Again, and has him spun around, wobbling towards the ropes. Ortiz goes to pounce and attacks the body. Jennings smothers the body again and frustrates Ortiz after he recovers. So King Kong pushes him repeatedly. And over and over and over again, pushing him back, pushing him back to the point that he's finally worn. Jennings comes back, but it was definitely Ortiz's round as he has Jennings hurt once again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Again, he hurts him, and you can just see that Ortiz is, you know, again, patience, waiting for his shot. He knows it's coming.
1: Indeed. We head to the fourth. Jennings outworks Ortiz on the inside, but the harder punches are repeatedly being landed by King Kong. Um, But you can tell that Jennings is definitely in good shape, and his reputation of being tough certainly precedes him. We head to the fifth round. Ortiz boxing from the outside, controlling the pace. He keeps enough distance to launch a pretty... Pretty vicious onslaught, left uppercut that rocks Jennings again and again. Jennings starting to look phased by the hard shots. He had sort of a deer in the headlights look at the end of the fifth round.
0: He did, man. He was taking deep breaths, like stepping back from the action. Like you could tell he wasn't all there, man. Those punches had definitely affected him big time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We head to the sixth round. Jennings moving on the outside, and Ortiz is following and stalking. It was a pretty close round in the sixth round. Um, until the close, when Ortiz shoots him with a powerful com- uh, combination, it was the first time that we saw Jennings implementing an attack that he probably should have uh, implemented from the beginning. Um, as you, by coming inside, you're still close enough to your opponent where they can launch an inside attack, and we saw a new weapon from Ortiz that we hadn't had. To, he hadn't had to use it because he's just been able to really kind of utilize leverage and length and and launch that. Either straight left or that left hook, mm-hmm. where we haven't had to see anybody try to physically get in on side of, uh, inside of him. Whereas, you know, the best way in general, whether you're close or whether you're at range, Ortiz is still a threat. So, in my opinion, and to go with your prediction in the fight of Jennings being able to take this to the distance and trying to wear Ortiz down, it would have made more sense for Jennings to try to stay out of range.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. He he took some punishment. And, and, and used a lot of energy doing that, too.
1: Yeah, he definitely did. And we head to the seventh round. Ortiz lands a monster right uppercut followed by a double left uppercut that drops Jennings flat on his face. When
0: do you see a heavyweight throw three uppercuts in a row, man? <sighs> it's been a long time. And, and just compact uppercuts from a huge guy. That just makes it doubly scary fighting him. He can knock you out from outside, from inside. He's just got to put one on your chin, and you're going down
1: absolutely Jennings is up and backs away to the corner Ortiz pounces and rocks Jennings with a left hook that takes the legs from bye-bye and he has no control of his body the referee jumps in and stops the fight Jennings is yelling after a gigantic straight left that seals the deal
0: yeah I mean and I think Lampley made a, a good statement there like his head was there he still wanted the fight in his head, but his legs just were not working, man. Yeah, I think that that's what that scream was. Yeah, yeah, it was just frustration.
1: He's like, I can't walk! <laughs> it's like somebody being stuck in quicksand. Yeah. Um. So there you have it. Luis King Kong Ortiz by way of seventh round knockout. In the post-fight interview, Bryant Jennings just flat out says, Vince, he's just... <laughs> Ortiz's pedigree was the difference in this fight.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing else you could say about this fight. You had a a boxer that had been born and bred to box versus a guy who was made into a boxer later on in life. And that, I mean, almost every time you put guys like that in the ring, this is the outcome you're going to get. I think the biggest thing I took away from that fight for Ortiz was the moment was not too big for him. That was the first time he was headlining a big HBO card and and a huge step up in competition. And not for a second did he look phased by any of that at all. Very calm in his approach the entire fight. I'm walking away from this fight even more impressed with Ortiz than before this fight.
1: Oh, he was—he was the boss. His con- oh his God. confidence, his swagger. There was—it's you know—it's funny to me, the disparity between these two in experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ortiz's ability in every moment, whether it was how he operated on the inside, how he operated in, in whatever kind of you know maybe. Uh, points of struggle, confusion, frustration during during the fight. His punch selection, we've always raved about his accuracy with his power punches. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but like speaking to what you just said, your point there about him being calm, him being the ring general, the moment wasn't too big. This was a man that is superior to almost anybody in the heavyweight division when it comes to pure experience. Yeah, this guy has more experience arguably, than any heavyweight in the world, and that includes Vladimir Klitschko.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably right. I mean, he's, he's put in more time in training and in amateur fights and, and coming up in his career. Uh, it, it, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a heavyweight that that is as smooth as this guy with his boxing, with his combination punching, throws every punch, throws every punch with power to yeah. boot. I mean, it's ridiculous, man. This guy is possibly the third-best heavyweight in the world right now. I mean you get you put him above Povetkin I, I don't know it's he's right there.
1: Yeah, I I just think that he's uh he just look, I like Povetkin. I think Povetkin is he's powerful, he's short to, you know, he he he's he's, he's quick fire on the draw. Yeah. Um we saw Povetkin get outboxed by Klitschko. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, man, I just think that Luis Ortiz, we've been saying this for quite a while. You know, while we had Ortiz before this fight even 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 was consummated, yes, we had Ortiz ranked as the number four heavyweight in the world, rightfully, r- rightfully, and you know many publications, including including Ring Magazine, didn't even have Luis Ortiz ranked. And I can tell you right now, from he is on a different level than Kubrat Pulev, than Vyacheslav Glaskov. I mean, these guys are ranked. Anthony Joshua was ranked by Ring Magazine. This guy's experience alone, his amateur. Pedigree is the same as Alexander Usyk. It's the same as, as Vasily Lomachenko. Mm-hmm. And these guys have five and and six and eight career fights, and they're ranked by Ring Magazine. Yeah, very strange. Very strange. Luis Ortiz, as it goes by heavyweights, okay, he has a piece of what everybody else does well, right? Tyson Fury's big, okay? Um, he's a good boxer, yeah. right? He's got good foot movement he can muck it up he's a little awkward right yeah, yep okay so what does tyson fury do better than luis ortiz he's 6 foot 9's better
0: yeah i mean I, he the probably, only advantage i give him is size in that fight every other attribute that goes along with fighting ortiz has the advantage it's not even close
1: yeah and that's what i'm saying like i just think that a guy like anthony joshua who is so raw so young and is just Dude, he's got just freaking out of this world power. Yeah. Right. There's no denying that. Um, We are as high on Anthony Joshua as anybody is. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have been raving about this kid since we first saw him fight probably two years ago. Right. And for somebody like, you know, Max Kellerman, again, again, he had a horrible night calling the fights again. Yeah. But his post fight press questions that he asks are so fanboy driven from this sort of peripheral perspective of somebody that loves to watch boxing but doesn't really pay attention to anything other than maybe what's on HBO or what's on ESPN because right. he's got so many other things going on. So he sweats Anthony Joshua, and the, this is the question he asks Luis Ortiz in the post-fight is, oh, okay, so what do you think about fights against, he says Fury and Clitch- and Anthony Joshua, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, first off, Joshua is not on this level. No, not yet. Not, not yet. He's not even remotely. Luis Ortiz would box circles around him before he knocked him out. Yeah. It would look a lot like this. Bryant Jennings is more experienced than Anthony Joshua.
0: And Bryant Jennings has a serious beard.
1: A serious beard. You think that punch from Dillian White hurt? Oh. Imagine if that was a left hook from King Kong Ortiz. Anthony Joshua would be in the hospital getting his jaw screwed shut. You're damn straight, he would be. You know, so at the end of the day here, we got to keep this into perspective. And while, okay, we can make the excuse that Luis Ortiz, oh, we didn't have him ranked in Ring Magazine because he hadn't fought top 20 competition, yet we have guys like Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk, two of our probably three or four favorite prospects in the world Yep. ranked in Ring Magazine. Based off of what? <laughs>
0: It just it doesn't add up at all, man. No, it doesn't. It's ridiculous. And, th- and
1: at the end of the day, it, you know, look, the PBC does this all the time. And Max Kellerman loves to just jump into this ridiculous hyperbole
0: fanboy, uh, our side, the narrative, rah, rah, bullshit. I almost think Kellerman, like, creates his own narrative away from even the HBO narrative oh, at yeah. times. It does seem like, he he's, like he's, like, got a story going on in his head while he's watching the fight.
1: Yeah, I, I no, you're you're. It, it does seem like that because it seems like his perspective is detached. Yeah, it's like on the outside. Yep, it's kind of like over here, like walking along what's really going on. Right, you know. But he, but here's the thing, they they say the same thing in the PBC about Errol Spence, right? They ask questions to guys that are established, like Sean Porter and and Keith Thurman, and you know they say, well, you know. Who's next? Uh, do you want Sean Porter? Do you want Kel Brook? Do you want Errol Spence? And it's like, hold on a second. Why would Luis Ortiz want... Why would he consider... He is on the precipice of a world heavyweight title shot. Yep. He just defeated a top five heavyweight in the world. Knocked him out in seven rounds. Why would he consider fighting a prospect? Why would you even ask such an f- absolutely moronic question like that? Why... You wonder why Sean Porter and Keith Thurman... Get defensive when people ask about Errol Spence. Yeah, how about Errol Spence fight his way into maybe fighting top twenty fighters in the world, showing that he can get past the gatekeeper category before you start asking me to take a step
0: backwards on my path to the world title. Right. Yeah. What I, you want me? Are my you telling me I'm supposed to play stepping stone now? Like I, this young kid can beat up on some old man, some some established vet, a veteran. Not, uh, yeah, what the hell are you going to take a step back and fight an up-and-coming guy for? What's that That's a lose-lose. You beat him, you were supposed to beat him. You lose, well, now you take three steps backwards. Yeah,
1: yeah, I just, I I don't understand the questioning, man. Just because you're, like, obsessed with the thought of Anthony Joshua being, like, we think that Anthony Joshua is going to be the undisputed champion one day.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah, like two, three years, yeah. Yeah,
1: and two or three years, yeah, we definitely believe that. So why would you just ask a guy that just put the heavyweight division on notice if he wants to fight this prospect. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a, laughable, dude. It, the basis of the question is, is, is idiotic. Yes. Let me ask you another question about another statement that Max Kellerman made in the fight game, okay? Jim Lampley is talking to him in the, in the, in the most recent episode. They replayed it last night. And he asks him about Canelo Alvarez, the middleweight division. And <laughs> Max Kellerman goes, Canelo Alvarez is not the lineal middleweight champion. He is not the middleweight champion. And all you have to do is use some logic to realize this because he has his own weight, and the division fights at 160, and I'm just like sitting here. I'm, 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 I'm throwing up in my mouth. I'm getting confused. I fell on the ground. I started convulsing. My wife's kicking me. She's like, wake up! Because <laughs> I'm just so I'm, – I'm just confused by this. Look, he is the lineal middleweight champion, period. Yeah. Yes, his catch weights are frustrating. The WBC needs to say that now that you have this belt, you need to contest everything at 160. All these things are true. The fact is, the lineal title means the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy. You don't get to take that away
0: because of some retarded logic that processes through your brain. Right, and and let's see. I mean, we understand why that first one was at 155. It's had more to do with Cotto than than uh, Canelo. So. Why don't we just wait and see if he does his next fight and he fights it at the 160-pound limit, then who gives a shit? Yes, he's he's the lineal champion. It, there's no arguing that. You can't just throw statements out there that are like, well, because I say it, it's it's truth. Well, then, not even two minutes
1: later, Jim Lampley digs up fights from years ago. Oh, they love that. And just completely bare he, – he looks at the camera and goes, what? You don't think that I can accuse somebody of a crime and make them guilty off of circumstantial evidence?
0: Well, I'm going to. Yeah. And
1: then he goes for like a three minute rant with based off of nothing and just
0: discoloration of the wraps, Ken. <laughs> Can't you see it? What was the point and the relevance of that conversation? I, I really don't know, especially and then, in, like as it is now in boxing. Who cares? What he's talking about
1: was his point. Which was a weird, weird, weird point as we're on this tangent here. But it was a bizarre point that he said, you know, Cotto used to be this vivacious, flamboyant personality until he was cheated and beat with plastered hands by Margarito. And ever since then, Cotto has
0: never been the same. Give me a break, man. Come on.
1: Dude, it's it's really, really pathetic. If I was Jim Lampley, I would work more on trying to read the prompter when they come on air and try to like tr- try to get his lines down, because dude, his game as an announcer is slipping. He, did he did, did you see when it came on air? He botched the entire intro, the entire intro. Uh,
0: I, I didn't notice or I wasn't paying attention.
1: I mean, you got him botching the entire intro. you got freaking uh, Bernard Hopkins, who's I don't know what he's saying, yeah, and, and then and then Kellerman chimes in, well, that shot to the body landed. And caused Sosa to punch back. No kidding. That happens in boxing? Wow, what an observation. (laughs) What an observation. I guess my point is is like HBO, if I'm if I'm Peter Nelson, right? This is what I say to my announcing crew. Okay. We are above all of this. We're above all of the preschool games. We're above the you know, the jilted, you know, uh, middle child stage. Like, we are the adult here. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to act like the adult. We need to stop with the childish agendas and the fanboying, and we need to be the professionals and present these fights professionally. And we need to make sure that we are on top of our games. And if your your work at ESPN covering you know, what LeBron James tweeted about his breakfast in the morning, your show where you talk about, you know, Des Bryant tweeting about what underwear he put on this morning. Wacky sports bit show. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Fan poll. (laughs) ESPN Nation. (laughs) If that is consuming your mind, because to me, that turns your brain to mush. Yeah. Like, if you watch uh, First Take,
0: Oh, my God. Do you feel like you gain anything out, or do you feel a little bit No, I feel dumber. dumber. I feel com- completely dumber for listening to the last hour of bullshit that I just listened to. Right.
1: So if that's your primary focus, and that's what you're concentrating on, don't you think that that's going to spill over into your boxing analysis? You would think. I mean, it only makes sense. I heard an interview with Joe Rogan talking about how he prepared for shows yeah. and how he said he really didn't do a lot of research. Like he would just like kind of show up. Mm -hmm. And when he would just kind of show up because he knew all the fighters, he knows about fighting, he would watch back these telecasts of himself and he would hear himself saying like something that he either misremembered or he wasn't sure about because he didn't do research for the fight. Right. And he would catch himself sounding like, wow, I really probably need to dive into this a little bit more. And then started to become more and more better prepared for each fight. Yep. I don't I, I don't see this with 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 Kellerman at all.
0: No, no, I was I was just going to say while you were going on that I'm thinking you know what makes it watching the UFC a little bit it's just more palatable is the announcing. Yeah. Cuz Joe Rogan there's a ton of shit that's going on that the 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 layman does not even understand what's happening, but he tries to explain to you technically what's going on in the fight, not telling stories, not going off on your own narrative about some stupid shit that has nothing to do what's with what's going on in the ring. It, it's, it, it was a bad year for them, dude, a bad year.
1: Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was a horrible year for, for you know, if if Roy Jones comes out as the star of the show, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think his analysis has always been underrated, but a guy that really struggles to kind of spit it out sometimes, yeah. and you you made this comment. You said clearly on the show... They're the professionals. Yeah. Jim Lampley is a professional MC. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. He is a presenter. He is a broadcaster. If your opinions, if your childish GGG opinions get in the way of your ability to call the fight, I think that your professionalism as an announcer has to come first. Oh, yeah. That has to be the priority. Yeah. Not you raw, raw you shaking your pom-poms on the sideline and saying comparing everybody from a straw weight to a heavyweight to a guy that boxed in nineteen twenty-five to GGG.
0: <laughs> no, you're exactly right, man. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
1: Oh man, it it really was, man. It was uh, for you know, for this year as far as announcing goes, what I noticed, we'll get into more of this in our 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 year in review is I noticed with the PBC coming on the scene, they were in the hyperbole business. They wanted to to make their narrative. They would lie about half of everything to make what they had going on seem like it had to be the place to be. And in response to this, you saw this, like, compensation where it almost seemed like an eighth-grade spat of three guys trying to go for the same girl. Yeah, And they would undercut, backstab, lie about each other. Showtime has become the worst about this, and I'll I'll save it for the Lee Saunders fight, but HBO has to. They have to be the bigger person when it comes to their announcing. Vince, when did the status quo become announcers talking over the fight, having conversations completely irrelevant and distracting the viewer from the fight
0: Uh, it seems like it's happened uh, i noticed it more this year than ever before and why are we now all of a sudden networks are picking sides and playing sides and instead of telling you what it is they skew it to their side some way you know one way or another and it's just it's ridiculous like you said it's like eighth grade kids arguing about something like they hear their broadcast and then we got to come on and and puff up some bullshit on our side of the fence that it's, it's just, it's annoying. Just call the goddamn fight, please. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I think people like Peter Nelson and, you know, Steven Espinoza is not going to, because Steven Espinoza is the instigator. of Oh it. yeah. You know, he, he has dropped his professionalism. He, he He's not an executive. He's on the team.
0: Oh, of course he is. You know,
1: he thinks he's one of the guys, you know? Um, I don't know, man. I, I really hope we have a lot of questions and a lot of things we'll talk about moving into, into 2016, Mm -hmm. but I really hope that one thing they get figured out here is I hope uh, somebody with some journalistic integrity like Peter Nelson, um, who has a, an affinity and an ability um, and a, and a, and a romantic attachment to storytelling will get back to what it is to be a presenter of the sport. You know, you hate to be so like nostalgic and, you know, and golden age thinking uh, about this, but Let's be honest, man. I would rather watch a fight on mute, okay?
0: Oh, let's get to that point.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would rather watch a fight on mute than have to listen to four minutes of story time. I would rather watch a fight on mute than an announcer having the nerve, Max Kellerman going over and having the nerve just because the PBC doesn't does not mean... You have to do it. Yep. It doesn't mean you have to try. It's like the it's like fucking Pizza Hut and their fucking stuffed crust. It's like, dude, stop with the gimmicks. Stop piling on just because Pizza Hut does it and Domino's does it. It's like, you're just fucking up the pizza. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, they, they try to one-up it. Leave the corner men alone. Yeah. Stop interrupting them. They This fight might last 45 minutes. Like, let them just they only have three minutes per round to communicate to their
0: fighter, and you want to ask them questions about your narrative. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, man. Huh. <laughs> What's important here, dude? It's like, come on, man. Not freaking stuff crust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're going to make me order a stuff crust later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man,
1: it's like freaking, I swear, man. Uh, professional boxing has turned into the Pizza Hut and, and Burger Kings of the world, man. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like McDonald's just kind of, they just, they just bring it to you. Basic. Right. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and Papa John's just brings it to you. Basic. And then you got the freaking circus sideshow freaks on the side, trying to look at my gimmick. Look at my flashy sign. Let me put somebody out on the street corner and spin signs. Come here and eat my gimmick. Oh, man. Uh,
0: we're still in the first fight. Yeah. (laughs) What?
1: We were talking about Luis Ortiz and Brian Jakes. Now we're talking about s- sign spinners on the side of the road.
0: <laughs> goes where it
1: goes, man. Uh, the paths we walk, man. The paths we walk. All right, Nicholas Walters versus Jason Sosa. Um, junior lightweight contest here, man. This uh, this fight was pretty interesting. Uh, Nicholas Walters, man, the fight was pretty consistent, wouldn't you say? Yeah, as, yeah. As, as far as throughout the entire fight would pretty much happen. I mean... I don't know, elaborate on this, but it was pretty much uh, Sosa came out strong. Walters dug to the body, um, fought really well on the inside, wore Sosa down, Sosa's power drained. Sosa made a little a little push mm-hmm. in rounds nine and ten, um, but at the end of the day, it was Nicholas Walters just too
0: much. Yeah, it was, uh, simply put, it was a, a guy with serious heart against a guy with serious skill, and uh, Walters' skill just shined through in that fight. Uh, one of his better performances that I can remember, I mean, just boxing-wise, um, and he hurt him real bad with that right hand on the inside, real short right hand. I, I can't remember what round it was, maybe third or fourth round. Uh, it, it, I was really impressed with his performance. I think Sosa is a guy that we're going to see again, too, just based on the fact that he's entertaining fighter. Yeah. He makes the fight entertaining. He's tough as nails. He, oh, my God, is he tough as nails. I I think most guys would have gone down at least once in that fight. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Walter's at 130. I think that's that's where he belongs, man. 130? Yeah. Yeah, I think
1: so, too. It's funny how, you know, you think it, it's just four pounds.
0: Yeah. You know, it's just
1: four pounds. But then, you know, they showed the pictures of Walter's weighing in when he lost his, his belt on the scale in the Mariaga fight. Man, he looked
0: horrible. Oh, you're talking about three pounds of water. I mean, and you just sucking it out of your body like that just, Yeah.
1: Yeah, he had like flies like like <laughs> friggin' circling <laughs> this his. This guy's head.
0: gonna die soon, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Oh man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, dude, you know what was really impressive for for Walters for me in this fight, Vince, was uh, he wasn't just throwing the left hook to the body. He no. wasn't just throwing the right hook to the body. He was throwing uppercuts to the gut.
0: Yeah, that was the most body work I've ever seen from him. He's normally a headhunter going for the knockout. Yeah. So I think, yeah, they've made changes, and obviously if he's going to be fighting these bigger guys that's going to be something that's going to have to be a part of him breaking fighters down to get a knockout he might not be a one punch knockout guy at this weight
1: yeah i think after that uh that uh right hand that buzz sosa um like you said uh you know I, I think they realized like you're right to your point they're going to have to fight differently against guys that they might not necessarily be able to blast out of right. them. but it is nice to be able to have sort of plan a plan B, plan C, you can you can resort to volume punching, inside game, jabbing, you know, whatever you have to do. Nicholas Walters, another thing really impressive for me, Vince, was his ability to roll with punches. Yeah. He, he, any other fight or fighter in that situation with those punches that Sosa was landing on Walters, wouldn't have had the wherewithal to spin with the punches. I mean, he was turning his head as a lot of those punches were landing, and they
0: were ricocheting off of his face. Yeah, yeah you're exactly right. He did a real good job of that, especially on the inside, and then would get his his counter off right after that with a short right hand. Yeah, man. I mean, I after a disappointing uh, performance last time out for him, for me, he's, I mean right back up there as you know one of the best in the world and you have to view him as that at, at that weight already i can't wait to see some of these matchups coming down the line what was your scorecard uh, 97-93 walters no. i i these these car, these scores are freaking ridiculous man
1: 96-94 for sosa that was one of the judges scorecards
0: a- that's absolutely ridiculous
1: In no way shape or form can you sit there and tell me or anybody that has a brain in between their ears that you actually saw Sosa win that fight?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I gave him three rounds, and and I even think that, I mean, I, I kind of stretched on a round to give it to him. I, I really don't get this. I mean, what the hell are these guys watching? I, I don't know. They, they
1: Where's the, but there's no penalty for this. There's no, Is do you think the New York State Commission is going to say, listen, you can't judge here for six months?
0: And I wish in these situations, these majority draw situations, I don't understand why we can't, why can't the referee have a scorecard? Why can't we go to that as like the fucking tiebreaker yeah. for a draw? Because the fact that that, that Walters walks out of there with a the draw, I mean, everybody who watched knows he's back. He looked good. That was not a fucking draw. He won that fight, but he's got, he, he's still, it's on his record and anybody looking, you know, he's looking to fight moving down the road can just say, dude, he just, Sosa just fought him to a draw. It can be their reason not to fight him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's detrimental across the board. And 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 you know what's funny is um Top Rank promotes both these guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they and they and and, and Top Rank was furious. Oh,
0: they gotta be pissed. They
1: were furious. And they promote both these guys. Yeah. I mean, that is just uh yeah, man. Um I, I don't know what they were watching. Um the statistics, I rarely go to CompuBox. Rarely go to CompuBox. Mm-hmm. This could not have been more clear, okay? The total number of shots thrown in this fight, all right? Sosa, his power punches, his power punches, Vince. He was 121 for 610, okay? He threw them at a 20% clip in a fight that was an inside fight. We're talking about, see, people don't realize is that power punches are anything that's not a jab, which means a fight that typically operates on the inside is almost 100% power punches thrown. And to land at a 20% clip on an inside phone booth fight
0: is pathetic. Yeah, that's, that's very bad. I really hate that they call everything else a, a power punch. I agree. I agree. I mean, it works for this fight, though. Oh yeah, it definitely gives for, you tells you the narrative of what the hell happened in this fight. It's clear as day. Yeah, it's clear
1: when there's when 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 there's you know what a total between the two of them of over a thousand power punches thrown. What that says instantly is it was an inside fight. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, though. He landed 121 power shots. That's it. 121. Nicholas Walters landed 225. He landed 100 more power punches and threw 150 less. He landed at a 52% clip, then punches thrown for the entire fight. Sosa threw almost 900 punches. Walters threw 622, and Walters outlanded him 281 to 168.
0: Yeah, the, the disparity in accuracy there alone tells the story.
1: Unreal, man. Unreal. If you cannot see as a judge punches landing and punches that are not landing, you shouldn't be a judge. You can't sit here and tell me. We, we've, we've seen this time and time again in, in in professional prize fighting where sometimes the guy that just throws more punches makes it look like he's doing more and he's being more effective. Okay, I get the illusion. Right. Okay. But here's the thing you're a professional judge. You are being paid to judge a professional prize fight at the highest level. You have to be able to tell if punches land. You have to.
0: Yeah. uh, Very bad performance from in a couple fights this weekend, judging wise, man. And. Like always, it remains just a part of boxing that just gets so goddamn frustrating at sometimes, man.
1: Yeah, it's really annoying. It's really, really annoying. I don't know if it was the WBC that proposed or they're going to be doing like a demo, uh, a little pilot program, um, where they're actually going to be putting earphones on the judges so they can't hear the crowd reaction.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing. I I almost think it, uh, this is more extreme, but take them away from ringside. For one, they can't see the entire fight. You know, you're sitting on one side of the ring. The action goes the other way. You're to the back.
1: The it's ref hard. might be in the way. Yeah,
0: it's too hard to see. You give them a, a live feed of the fight, a closed-circuit feed in a room by themselves. Watch the fight. Send your cork, Send your scorecard down to the ring afterwards, and I think that solves a ton of fucking problems with scoring fights.
1: 100% agree. I think that that is a great solution. And uh, It'll never happen, though. And, and, and a secondary safeguard. On top of your plan, let's do that, but let's take it even a step further. Let's have five judges. Yeah. What are the chances that it's two to two to one? What's the chances? The chances of getting a majority draw with five judges is slim
0: to none. Yeah, it's it's way more unlikely. Oh, man. But they won't do anything. No, there's no talk of doing any of this shit. Yeah. Just like boxing promoters operate
1: as independent entities and could care less about the consumer, Do these commissions operate? What power does the Association of Boxing Commissions actually have? They sit here and blatantly say that they believe that Al Heyman is is venue squatting. They send a letter to the freaking federal government saying that Al Heyman needs to be investigated. And nobody listening to them. No, man. They're like, who are you? Because they don't have any power. No, they don't matter. They don't have any power. The federal government needs to empower the ABC, they, they just, they need to. Yeah. There needs to be somebody to hold all of these associations. Look, they don't have any problem fighting under the unified rules of boxing. So why can't all these judges be ruled, regulated? Dude, NFL referees, as horrible as they are now because they have so much to think about. Oh, yeah. And the scrutiny and the and the pressure on them, and there's a billion new rules every season. They
0: still get graded. Oh, and they lose their spot in a prime time game if their crew is is not holding up their end of the bargain and, and making terrible calls and affecting outcomes, they get pushed back to the least important game of the weekend. Why does every sport vince
1: have to learn their licks on their own i mean it's it's almost like it's almost like a parent telling a teenager like this parent like you know, um, got a DUI when they were 18 years old. Right. Right. And they see their kid come home drunk one night and they drove themselves home and they sit them down and lecture the kid and they tell them, listen, I got a DUI when I was 18 years old, and I'm telling you right now, it is the worst thing that can happen to you at this age, and this will affect you. You can't afford it. You don't know understand how this will ruin opportunities for you. And the kid looking at the father and saying, I know, Dad, I know, Dad, I know, Dad, not listening to a single word the father says. It's the same thing. That that story sort of relates to everything in in, in sports, right? Yeah you see what the NFL is doing, right? You see how they grade their referees. You see how Major League Baseball grades their umpires. This exists, yet you just blindly ignore it. Yeah. We see these sports being governed by, yes, uh, there's a bit of a you know, dictatorship going on in the NFL with Roger Goodell, Yeah. right? But at the end of the day, 99.9% of the time, they get it right, and they have people in place as safeguards and checks and balances to make sure they get it right. But boxing just, they're so...
0: They're just, they There's zero level of accountability in the sport, none. and it's the only sport like that. No other sport operates along the mainframe of boxing where it's just, it's the fucking wild, wild west, dude. There's yeah. it, You do what you want, you make up rules as you go, and you make backroom deals, and you screw people over, and it, 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 I, I just don't understand why there is not... One entity that oversees everything that makes everybody accountable for their, their business ethics and all the way down to just everything. But there's there's not. And there never will be. Boxing is stuck in a friggin' time warp, man. And 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 one of
1: the biggest issues with the PBC, right? Okay, well, some will say, our critics will say, Well, that's what Al Heyman's trying to do. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing. Al Heyman didn't sit down with Bob Arum and Golden Boy, and K2, and main events. They didn't sit at a table with an arbitrator and people there as that, that run high-powered negotiations where everybody could put their input in, and they all came to a collective agreement right. on how the sport was going to be governed. Al Heyman just said, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to consult with anybody. I'm not even going to answer your questions when you ask questions to why we're doing it this way. We're just going to do it. You're going to like it. You're going to watch it because it's free. Oh, that is,
0: I don't know what's worse. Is the wild, wild West worse than that? Uh, No, they're equally as bad, man. They really are. And the only thing that he, that he accomplished in in starting the PBC and doing this thing his way is just the divide is now bigger. Yep. The divide is bigger. Now it used to be top ranking golden boy two, three years ago that wouldn't negotiate for fights and. Bad blood, and now there's a third entity, and now there's, it's, I I, I, mean, it's just frustrating when we start talking about it. God damn it, man. Why can't the sport get it right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's every aspect of the sport. So that's just it. That's why, you know, we talked about on the last episode the role that boxing journalists play in this, Mm -hmm. right, is because they really have the power to start forcing the hand of people by focusing on these individual issues. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of dealing with the fact that instead of somebody really discrediting and not recognizing the WBA for the ridiculousness of them having these secondary and and third tier and fourth tier champions in each division, instead of people standing up. Ring Magazine has stood up and said, we don't recognize those belts. No, we can't. We don't recognize them. But then you have Dan Raphael who writes a fight recap and then. In one sentence, in one article, he comes out and says how the WBA is the worst thing in the world and the sanctioning bodies and all the belts, blah, 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 but then writes a fight recap about Lee Saunders where he says that, well, now that now uh, Danny Jacobs will be looking for a unification fight against Billy Joe Saunders. It's like, it's not a unification fight. No. Every time something like that, where they completely gloss over what they're saying, they lend life they breathe life in there are fanning the flames of corruption yep. of of just nonsensical idiocy that clouds the sport it's in the judging it's in the way that judges are graded it's in the fact that they can't find people to judge boxing the fact that there is no accountability every aspect of the sport journalists that are afraid to get their credentials pulled because they're boxing fans and they love to sit ringside. So how dare they write anything and let their balls drop and write something that has some substance to it? You got guys that are freaking write stories that will just, their job for a certain publication is just to say, oh, well, what would it be like if Gennady Golovkin fought? Uh, Luis Ortiz and uh, (laughs) what do you think it would be like if uh, if Roman Chocolatito fought Crusher Kovalev what do you think who would win there's people that there's there's somebody that writes for Ring Magazine right now that that's his job
0: oh yeah that's ridiculous I mean what's the point honestly what are we talking about (laughs) boxing's got a disease dude it really (laughs) does man it's got a fucking disease uh, it's it it gives you some of the you know the in ring action when you put all that bullshit aside is awesome. The sport has great fights, but all of that that surrounds it just murks up the water and just makes it seem like a fucking sideshow. Yeah, and it is.
1: And and, and you know what's really starting to pile it on, which which is kind of making it get to the point where. You know, guys like us are reaching, like, a threshold of frustration with this is now the level of competitive nature with the fighters right is at an all-time low. Like, and, there's nobody wants to compete anymore. And,
0: you know, we're having this conversation about this. You've, what, what makes me – what pisses me off even more is when people hear a conversation like this and they go, their response is, well, you don't like boxing. No, I love boxing. That's why I care. I care so much, you fucking moron. <laughs> That's what I – I'm trying to get my point across that this sport, I care about it so much that I, like, please, let's let's recognize what is real. This sport needs changes across the board. Yeah, well, come on, Vin.
1: Billy Joe Saunders beats Canelo, knocks him out in six today, Vin.
0: I mean, jokers like that, I I just. Andre Ward is pound for pound the best fighter in the world. Of course he is. Of course, I will never argue that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you got to realize who you're dealing with sometimes too,
0: man. You know what I mean? Yep.
1: Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, the passion comes through, and and it, I don't think it's really going to change. I think it's just going to keep going, and hopefully, you know, somebody will uh, you know tune into the show, and maybe they'll be like, "Wow, these guys are really onto something here." Wow, somebody with some perspective. Wow,
0: somebody that just calls it as it is. Nope, it's not allowed in the sport, Ken. No, it's not, man. Stay in your closet and be quiet. Yeah,
1: how dare you call me out on my shit? <laughs> King Gabe Rosado versus Joshua Clotty. Uh, Middleweight fight. King Gabe coming up to full 160. Looked real healthy, man.
0: Yeah. I think the fight went kind of exactly how we expected. Clotty just gases out or decides not to punch, and and Rosado took over the second half of the fight.
1: Yep. Yep. It it, it literally followed the script. Yep. Um, Rosado being mentioned as a possible gateway opponent. For Canelo on uh, the way to Triple G.
0: Well, I know you're gonna. There'll be a ton of backlash if if that fight is made. I think people will, will be hating on Canelo. Obviously, Canelo's a star, so with that comes the hate. I I, I don't know how I feel about that fight. I mean, Rosado's is always a tough fight. He's never. It's never easy. You know, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to pound on him to stop him, and he's gonna be there, and he can box, and he's a solid boxer. Uh, look, th- make that fight. It's fine with me, but. I I think you're going to hear a lot of backlash if it gets made.
1: Oh man, yeah. I look. I love. I love Gabe Rosado. I love his story I, uh, more than anything. His toughness, his grit, his resiliency. Um, the dude will never quit.
0: Yeah, you know.
1: I, probably my favorite fighter with nine losses.
0: Yeah, the only <laughs> guy with nine losses that remains relevant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got his resume of of guys that he's fought. I mean, he's fought the best of the best. You throw Canelo on there, I mean Jesus, and I, I think really the only thing you could take from that fight being made is that it gives everybody kind of a gauge on how good Canelo really is because we've seen Rosado against the best middleweights in the world.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a, you know, that's a that would seem to be the logical argument that Golden Boy's side would make. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, without a doubt. It so, Gabe Rosado wins as predicted. Um, Uneski Gonzalez by Yacheslav Shabransky. What a fight. Man, intensity in ten cities. Uh, <laughs> man, Shabransky is exactly as, as we described him. I'm sitting here watching going, man, this guy literally has one of the most perpetual, non-stop, insane, frenetic
0: motors in this sport. And, dude, the both of these guys... The the chins that they showed last night. I mean, they both landed huge shots. Uh, Shabransky against any other fighter, he lands those punches. Um, more than likely, you're going down. Gonzalez again, just dude. His heart is so so damn big in the ring.
1: Yeah, even at times when when Gonzalez was sitting down in the corner, and you could see the look on his face, he almost he almost looked lost. He was almost like, this guy won't stop. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, no, Gonzalez. You know. I mentioned this to you in the in the production meeting. Something that really stood out to me, where I thought Gonzalez had his most success in launching his offense, and it actually kept him out of harm's way for the big shots. When Gonzalez became stationary in front of uh, in front of Shabransky, he took a pounding. Yeah, Gonzalez had a ton of success early on, fighting behind a double, and most success came behind a triple jab, where he would slide to the left, jabbing one, two, three, and he was actually. Pushing Shabransky back, but then it there was nothing after the no third jab, which it was like,, okay, you got him in a position where now you could literally start digging him to the body as he's in the corner, but as soon as he got that, his momentum would carry him to the left, he'd get Shabransky back after the third jab, and Shabransky would slide out to, to his left.
0: Yeah, yeah, Shabransky, uh, very impressive performance last night. I think he proved that he's got a little bit higher level boxing IQ than people thought. Yeah, he was moving well. Kind of a, you know, a poor man's Kovalev style if you you want to go that route. Just very straight with his punches. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. He's definitely, I think he's definitely a player at at light heavyweight. I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys that want to fight him, man. I mean, it's going to take serious work rate and a hell of a chin to beat this guy. Because he's going to land.
1: i tell you what would be an awesome fight is Shabransky versus Fonfara.
0: Uh, Dude, I was thinking the same thing (laughs) after that fight. I'm like, oh my God, that is... That is savagery right there, dude, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no doubt about it, um so uh Shabransky wins it pretty clearly in my book, yeah, um, but man, gonzalez dude, he is uh,
0: things, I don't think he's going anywhere,
1: no, I don't think so either, I just think that the he's got to maybe be thinking this morning uh, that Pascal fight,
0: that, yeah that Pascal fight, yeah, because he would have avoided this fight altogether had he won that and he did win it in my eyes, but how do you want it? you know, legitimately on the, on the scorecards and he'd be
1: preparing for a Kovalev fight right now.
0: Yeah. And at least, you know, I I, I think he's a a tear down from that obviously, but yeah, he would have been able to make some money. Now he's, he's going to have to work hard to get that shot now, man.
1: Yeah. Which kind of lends to, I think that the, I think Kovalev Pascal is going to be ugly.
0: Oh yeah. I think Kovalev is going to put him out and Five rounds. Yeah,
1: if it goes that long.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think he's on a mission this time to, to stop him early.
1: Yeah, he went ju- He went just short of saying he wanted to kill Pascal in the ring.
0: Yeah. Did you hear him? Oh, no, he's dead serious. When I mean, <laughs> I, I actually believe when Kovalev says that, like, yeah, he will uh, attempt to kill you with his fists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm going to end Pascal in the
0: ring. Yeah. If he dies, he, he dies. dies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. I love it. Your yorkus Gamboa making a very very rare appearance. Yeah, you know he's I mean, been a year. Yeah, dude, he's he's like he's like the Easter Bunny, you know. <laughs> it's like the, you know what I mean. Yeah, he just makes an appearance and 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 the Easter Bunny. <laughs> you don't even know if he really exists. <laughs> when do you stop believing in the Easter uh, Youriorkis Gamboa? <laughs> Do you believe in Yuri Orkis Gamboa? Yuri Orkis
0: Gamboa doesn't exist. He's just a legend. He's like the <laughs> Chupacabra.
1: <laughs> oh, Yuri Gamboa, Highland Williams. Uh, Yuri Gamboa is sharp as attack, man. He looked good.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess the layoff helped him out. I mean. <laughs> he's fresh. Yeah, if he's one thing, he is fresh. Uh, look, man, he'll be. Uh, he needs to get in the ring three times next year, man. And he needs to fight for a title
1: they call him 50.
0: Yeah. They call him 50. Good good choice there of promoters.
1: Uh, well, apparently it's not Look, apparently he was getting paid like an allowance, so he didn't like have any reason to get in the ring. They were just like paying him. Right. Just yeah, they were going to give you a monthly stipend he's like, "Okay, I'm getting
0: paid. Why do I need to go fight?" Yeah, and why would you? Really? <laughs> if I'm getting paid as a as a fighter and I don't have to get in the ring, well, I'm going to get paid without getting in the ring as long as I can. The only thing going for Gamboa at his age,
1: you would never say somebody that fights in a lighter weight class at age 34 would be able to fight much much further than the age that he's at at a high level. Yeah. But he doesn't have any wear and tear. No. He took such a long time off in between fights after the Terrence Crawford fight, he's fully recovered. I don't think there's any side effects from that fight.
0: No, and that's really the only beating that he's ever took. So, yeah, he's got very low mileage. Is You know, he's 33, but in fighting years, he may be a couple years younger than that. Yeah.
1: um, Dude, if he can fight and stay active, I think Gamboa can be a little mini star. I think he can have a little resurrection here over the next two or three years, but he's got to fight. And if they can't get this guy fights, you know, I mean, at the end of the day... Come on, he... man, Gamboa, Linares. Dude, I think that, I think so, that would be... I think there'd probably be five, six knockdowns in that fight. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> There's so many good fights you can put him in. He's so goddamn entertaining. Just get him in the ring. Dude, Gamboa versus Nicholas Walters. Oh, my God, man. A midget, <laughs> a midget and a just super-sized lightweight in the ring. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, that'd be an awesome fight. Uh, An awesome fight. All right, so there you have it. That's HBO Boxing After Dark. All in all, really entertaining. Great heavyweight fight. Yes. Luis Ortiz um, has put the heavyweight division
0: on notice. He certainly did, boy.
1: On notice. All right, let's go ahead and travel across the pond. Showtime Boxing International. Manchester, England. Shandy Lee versus Billy Joe Saunders. In the Battle of the Gypsies, um the wbo middleweight championship on
0: the line wow this one was tough to stomach man i mean just the pace of the fight uh should just... stop this was a horrible fight oh my god it was terrible from from opening bell to closing bell absolutely terrible I, neither one of these two, here's I, You know, it was pissing me off just, like, watching it. And, you know, I know my expectations kind of did a little bit of it to make me this pissed off. But I'm not going to get that mad at the end of the day because you know why? Neither one of those guys deserves to be a middleweight champion, a true middleweight champion, and can fight on the level of the top five in the division. They are what they are. But the, the performance from both of them, I mean, Billy Joe Saunders has him down two times in the third round and then proceeds to stop fighting from that point on. He literally stopped fighting. It was a jab fest is what it was. Jabba palooza is what it was. It was... And the fact that it's just people making comments after the fight...
1: Oh, that was was some class right there then. Class what? It was class boxing then.
0: Oh, my God. It was driving me insane and making me furious. I, I mean, had, I had to literally like calm down.
1: Yeah, but these are the same guys that think Frankie Gavin's a world beater, right? You know what I mean? Seriously, yeah. I mean, they do. They, you know, they they think Tommy Coyle is, you know, oh, he's gonna make it to the world title fight next time. Uh, no, he's not. Yeah, I said it before. Okay, I pick Lee to win this fight. You pick Saunders to win the fight. Yeah. Um, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Billy Sa- Billy Joe Saunders is. He's okay. Did not you see that lightning-quick footwork? No. Oh, you know what I saw was lightning-quick twitching. Yeah. This is, this is what I saw all fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were shocking the ring, right? Having little mini seizures instead they of... They looked throwing.
1: like two... They look, no, they looked like two guys with Tourette syndrome. They did. They, they, honestly, they did. man. Dude, that was the most despicable, world-class boxing display. Andy Lee fought like a puss. And Billy Joe, Billy Joe Saunders is not world level. No. Period. Nope. Period. Anybody out there that makes comments, oh, he'll take Canelo in six. Oh, this guy, uh, he'll da- blah, blah, blah.
0: Canelo will steamroll that man. He
1: will steamroll him.
0: Walk right through his punches.
1: It's just not. He fought like a scared, whimpering child. Yeah. That was a horrible, horrible fight. What happened to the days when you
0: had to go take somebody's title? I don't know, man. I I don't care what anybody says. And almost neither one of them deserved to win the fight. But Andy Lee was the champion. Billy Joe Saunders did absolutely nothing for seven, eight rounds of the fight. I scored it for Andy Lee by three points. Call me a moron if you want, but I, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't. I I had three ten ten rounds scoring this fight because there was. How do you score a round where both guys landed? One guy landed six jabs. The other guy landed five. But one was harder than the other one. Boy, that was exciting. Well, that's what the
1: announcing crew was saying.
0: Oh, he landed one punch. Yeah, classwork. Classwork from Santos. Oh, this is
1: fascinating, classy (laughs) boxing. Fascinating, classy
0: boxing. fucking horrible.
1: You know what? But this comes from... Look... These guys that were calling the fight probably think that it's fascinating to drink tea. (laughs) You you know what I mean? Look at him lift his tea. (laughs) Seriously.
0: Uh, What, uh, What
1: is fascinating about that fight? It was
0: a pathetic display of a world title fight. Yeah, it's one of the worst world title fights I can remember.
1: That made Fury Klitschko... Look like Hagler Hearns.
0: Yeah, it did, and that is bad. That's really bad.
1: What is amazing to me is 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 Billy Joe Saunders being so defiant after the fight, like acting like, "Oh yeah, me knew me won. Me knew me did it."
0: <laughs> Gypsy champions, man.
1: Yeah. Me me me'd like to thank uh me like to thank Captain Hook <laughs> and and Smee. <laughs> You know what? Me like you to fight. Yeah. Me like you to punch. Me like <laughs> fighting. <laughs> I mean, d- d- come on, man. H- how do you even... And then you got, like, I'm sitting here going back and forth with Frankie Gavin on on, on Twitter, and he's sitting here saying, oh, it's world class, and Billy Joe Saunders is world class, and oh, what a boxing display and performance and blah, 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 coming from the guy who literally fought Kell Brook exactly identically to
0: how Billy Joe Saunders fought Andy Lee. You know what makes it not impressive? That you impressed Frankie Gavin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on, man. Let's be honest. Uh, Come on. Those, those, Those guys are about a half step above what Frankie Gavin is. Yeah, I agree. They are, both of them.
1: Oh, man. That was so bad, dude. Yeah, my scorecard was 116 to 111 for Andy Lee. Um I didn't have BJ Saunders didn't win. I had BJ Saunders winning the first round and I had him winning the uh the third round 10-7 with the two knockdowns. Yeah. Uh, after that I had a 10-10 round in the 8th and uh the rest for Lee. Uh, Lee was the one moving forward, Lee was the one throwing the more more punches um and he was the one that was trying. I don't I don't understand how you can crown a challenger when he wasn't the one initiating
0: the offense. No, he wasn't.
1: If B.J. Saunders was moving on Andy Lee and moving him around the ring the entire time and he was the one trying, but Andy Lee wouldn't engage, then I would say Billy J. Saunders deserves the belt, and Andy Lee did nothing to defend it.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. Andy Lee did the bare minimum. Oh, my God. But he, B.J. Saunders did nothing. It should have been a no contest. Nobody wants to see this ever again. And You they guys should, have set boxing back. Yeah, ten years with this fight, and they should have been banned for for a year. <laughs> really, man, I I can't remember being so frustrated watching a fight, especially between two guys that you just expect they would at least throw punches. They would at least have an exciting fight. It was the worst. <laughs> Billy Lee, Billy Lee.
1: Oh, Danny Jacobs watching the fight, he's like, "Oh, Billy Lee sucks." <laughs> He was right. Both of them do suck. Billy Lee. Yeah, Billy Lee. Um, Yeah, man. Let's get to this next. Okay, so Saunders. um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Brian Custer, during the post-fight, must have called Danny Jacobs the WBA middleweight champion a dozen times. Oh, my God. At least a dozen times. I think Brian Custer, when he's not on air, like, like, for example, after they were done filming yesterday, he probably went up to Danny Jacobs, tapped him on the back, and said, hey, hey, Danny, did you hear what I said? <laughs> hey, Danny. We're friends now, right? Hey, Danny, did you hear? Did we're you, cool. Did you hear I called you the WPA the middle champion like a dozen times? <laughs> Danny. Danny, did you see that? What What did you think? <laughs> Are we best friends now, Danny?
0: Oh, my God. That guy's a joke, man. They pulled him out of the woodwork, what like two, three months ago? it seems like
1: My boy is a yes man.
0: Oh my God, is he?
1: <laughs>
0: personally handpicked by Mr. Heyman.
1: Oh, personally handpicked. he will, Ugh. Ugh. and here's the thing, man. I just hate the I'm just going to I'm just going gonna... to say it right here. Look, I don't care, I get it. everybody's got an agenda, everybody's got their business priorities, everybody's got their investments and their money, and they'll do whatever they can to protect it. That part of everything is 100 percent. Completely understandable, right? The things that happen as a result and a byproduct of that, wildly frustrating. Yeah. Right? I get all of this. Okay. This all makes sense. I have a problem. You said it in the production meeting. They are lying. They're flat out lying. You cannot, with a straight face, look at Danny Jacobs, call him the W middleweight champion of the world and then ask him who he would like a unification fight with next. It is not a unification fight. He is not the WBA middleweight champion. He's not. So therefore it's not
0: a unification fight. Yeah. I mean a complete lie. Just blatant. (laughs) And and nobody questions him on it. Nobody. And all of them sit there and fall in line. Somebody doesn't have the balls to just say well, I mean, let's be honest. Does he have a WBA championship belt? Yes, he does. But the the, the true champion is Gennady Golovkin of the WBA, right? Yeah. But they won't do that. I, I It just it fucking blows my mind, man. I tell you what, man. They are
1: exploiting them some Danny Jacobs. Oh, my God. They bring him everywhere. Like, he's like the mascot.
0: And he's not very good on the mic. He just isn't. No. Billy Lee, baby. Yeah. Oh, Billy D. Williams,
1: um, yeah, man. Uh, it doesn't matter who Danny Jacobs fights. If he fights any of the champions, because Golovkin is the WBA and the IBF. Yep. Billy Lee is the is the WBO. <laughs> Canelo is the WBC in the ring. So if Danny Jacobs were to fight any of those three fighters, he would be fighting for his first world title. Yes,
0: that is correct. (laughs) That is a fact. Yeah.
1: We're fact checkers here, okay? (laughs) That is a fact. So if Danny Jacobs were to fight any of those three men while they possess the titles that they have, the world championship belts, there are four of them, not four and a half. Okay, there are four of them, and then the one ring to rule them all. Yep. Right? Danny Jacobs has none.
0: No. Zero. No. Nada. Never fought for a real one either.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, Danny, do you hear what I said? How dare you seek the truth? Uh yeah. How dare me? How dare me? You, you, Kenny, Kenny, you're a
0: whistleblower.
1: You're no better than Jonathan Snowden or whatever that dickhead's name is. <laughs> is that his
0: name? WikiLeaks. Yeah, <laughs> Edward, <laughs> Jonathan. I don't know one Assange. Yeah,
1: from. From WikiLeaks, yeah, you're no, you're you're just a whistleblower. <laughs> hey, Danny, you heard what I said? Want to be my friend?
0: God, I hope they don't bring that guy back in 2016. But I think it's inevitable. Oh, who? Custer. Oh,
1: Brian Custer. Yeah. Pfft. Oh, Brian Custer is here for life. <laughs> Does
0: Brian Custer look?
1: Like he's a white guy that they painted black?
0: Yeah, he looks like that. Well, he looks like the Dave Chappelle character, the news guy, that when they paint him white, it's just a oddest skin tone. It's like They he, use like a
1: matte brown makeup on him that I mean, makes I, him look like he's painted.
0: Yeah, hopefully he doesn't have like some skin disorder or skin disease, but he looks like he's got one. Uh.
1: Oh, I'm sorry to all of our listeners out there. So, Eric Skoglund, huh? Eric Skoglund, did did he win? I didn't watch the fight.
0: Yes, he did win. He did? Yeah.
1: Well, what happened? Tell me about it.
0: Uh, I didn't watch it, but he won a unanimous decision. It looks like he won almost every round 99, 91, 99, 92,
1: 100 to 90. Yeah, dude, honestly, I thought about watching the fight, and then I I Googled it to look for a video feed, and I saw the picture of the weigh in. Yeah. And I saw that Derek Edwards came up to Skoglund's nipples. And I was like, man, he's gonna need a he's gonna need like a stepping stool to be able to knock yeah. this guy out. Um, well, good for Skoglund, good for Sweden. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Jojo Diaz, Estrella TV, NDO, California. Jojo Diaz in full effect, my boy looked good.
0: Yeah, man, he's scary, dude. Real scary. I mean, just taking care of guys that are, you know, obviously the next tier down, the the, the gatekeepers. Of the division in in, in Partida and and Tamayo, but man, is he just freaking dominating them? Yeah, I mean, t- Partida didn't go down, but good God, did he take a friggin' pounding, man! Yeah, I mean, everything about Diaz <laughs> is is legit, legit.
1: Yeah, he's 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 a a full fledged blue chip prospect. Yes, um, I don't think there's any denying that.
0: Whatsoever, going to be. I mean, that's a tough, tough division right now, boy. There's that that division is loaded. Loaded.
1: They are coming out of the woodworks. Dude. Yeah, out of the woodworks between Jojo Diaz, uh, Julian Ramirez, who fights, I think the opening. Uh, I want to say the opening L.A. Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. Of 2016, um, Oscar Valdez. Dude, they're just and, and then they, the guys that are already established. Exactly, man. Exactly. That, that's a man. <clears throat> It is an exciting time. And, yeah. you know, it's too bad that half of the 126s in the world um, are, you know, just kind of fighting. Everybody's kind of circling around, um, you know, just a bunch of bums over in the PBC. Yeah. You know, it's a difficult part. You know, not to backtrack, but I'm going to real quick, you know, to the Luis Ortiz-Brian <clears throat> Jennings fight. There was a comment by, you know, one of our, our friends out there in the in the in the universe that had a very optimistic point of view and said, you know, the heavyweight... You know, the heavyweight universe is, um, the future's bright. The uh, heavyweight division is very exciting. It's, it's, yeah. it's looking good for the future. But then you think about, well, Vyacheslav Glaskov and Charles Martin are going to fight for the ridiculously illogical stripped IBF title that literally, I don't even think that Tyson Fury had his copy of it yet no. before he was stripped. So these two guys are going to fight for the belt. Well, what if Martin wins? He's a Heyman guy. So then one half of the heavyweight division is Heyman controlled, which means that there's a very good chance that half the division, it's not a very good chance. It's almost 100% going to happen because of the fact that Deontay Wilder is now on his third defense, his third defense without fighting a mandatory challenger. If Charles Martin gets that, because Charles Martin is not ready these guys in the heavyweight division. Right. I've seen Vyacheslav-Glaskov fight in person 10 feet away from the guy. Boring. Against the dingling man. He's a puss. If the dingling man didn't eat him way his his way into the heavyweight division, I mean, he looked like Fat Albert in that fight. Yeah. He was giving Glaskov a fight for six rounds until he started burping up cheeseburger. Oh, I think Martin beats Glaskov. I do too. I, 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 thought, I thought Steve Cunningham beat Glaskov. Yeah. You know, he's a schlep. He is. He fights with no heart. You and I made a comment after the Glasgow Cunningham fight and basically came to the conclusion that Glasgow, you know, almost like he fights because somebody's making him fight.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like he looks like he does not want to be in the ring.
1: It's like, it's like he owes somebody money or something. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. His his performances are just like, bleh. yeah, that's good. Yep. You're you're real good. <laughs> um good skill set you got there bud
1: so martin wins well you know so then what you do you really think al Heyman's going to take a guy that needs a ton more experience that needs a ton more experience he's already got one heavyweight champion that needs more experience yeah so they're just giving it to him so then basically half the heavyweight division is going to be held hostage
0: i know man it's scary a scary thought it really is i don't know why the ibf would want that no well they don't well uh, they do want it i i wouldn't you rather take one-third
1: from a guy that's going to be making $20 million per fight than taking 100% of your sanctioning fee from a guy that's going to be making $250,000 a fight?
0: Not if some asshole with an unlimited bankroll basically shoves money in your pocket. I mean, you call it conspiracy theory, you call it what you want. I mean, that's a serious possibility at this point. You can't look at this and say, this is right. How do you strip a guy one week after he wins the belt for not taking a fight? Jesus Christ, he can't even take a nap after the fight. He's got to decide who he, if he's going to fight Glasgow, which everybody knows, including Tyson Fury, is a complete fucking waste of his time. It doesn't sell. No. It's pointless because Glasgow doesn't stand a frigging chance.
1: Zero percent chance. No.
0: So why? Fury would blank him. Oh, my God. Glaskoff is the most frustrating guy to watch, and the fact that he is fighting for a title is just infuriating, dude. It really is. It is.
1: It's infuriating that a guy who's not ranked in Charles Martin, who has no business fighting for a world title, is going to get a heavyweight world title shot. When What we watched last night in Ortiz and Jennings is as good as it gets in the heavyweight division. That fight takes a complete dump when we're talking about skill level and the level of heavyweight fight. We watched a world-class heavyweight fight last night.
0: Yes, it was, and... It's another thing to look at is in that Jennings has fought Spilka or Spilska or however the hell you say it.
1: Knocked him out in the 10th
0: round? Knocked him out in the 10th round. So a guy that is probably the fifth or sixth rated heavyweight in the world, maybe even seven or eight after that loss, he beats a guy in 10 rounds, but yet our our heavyweight champion has to fight the same guy. He has to defend his belt against that same guy. That's a fucking joke, man. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. It is, but they'll blame it on everybody else. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, Wilder's just shouting expletives from the rafters. Our champion's still learning, Ken. No, champions are done learning. (laughs) Fucking Ludabella!
1: Oh, Ludabella's just happy that that he sold his soul to the devil, and now he just gets all these fighters that he otherwise would never get an opportunity to promote.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right.
1: You love their sales pitch for this... uh, so they've, so they've put the Glaskoff-Martin on the undercard of Deontay Wilder versus Spilchka, right? Yeah. So you get two shitty heavyweight fights oh my God. on the same card, right? hmm I saw a fight poster that said the first... Everything has to be about Brooklyn. That's at the Barclays Center, right? Everything has to be tied to Brooklyn, right? And they say the first heavyweight championship fight
0: in Brooklyn in 115 years. That's on the fight poster. Who cares? Not everybody's from Brooklyn. Not everybody's even been to Brooklyn. Why would anybody care if it's in Brooklyn or not? Why would anybody care that it's –
1: why is that – how is that a sales point? It's not. Nobody – in an age where everybody walks around like this with their cell phones and could care less what's going on outside of that eight-inch distance (laughs) between their eyes and the cell phone –
0: you really think they give a rat's ass about what happened 115 years ago? Uh, they'll probably sell 2,000 more tickets because of that. There's going to be some 80-year-old man that goes, Oh, I remember my dad was at that fight 115 <laughs> years ago. I'm going to go to the fight just for him. I've been holding on to his ashes. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. But <laughs> well, you want to talk about a
1: piss-poor level. We're going to watch two sloppy heavyweight fights.
0: Yeah, you are. I mean, just very mediocre skill level, man. In both fights. Very mediocre.
1: Yeah. It, it, you're better off just watching Dominique Brazil versus, you know, freaking K- rematch. I think
0: uh Ortiz would knock all four of those guys out in one night in probably a total of twenty four rounds. So. Uh,
1: old old UFC one style? Yeah. <laughs> King Collin just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right, real quick, PBC on Spike, Dennis Shavakoff, rancid Barfelemy. Um, man, how are these two in the same weight class?
0: I don't know. That was looked like the biggest mismatch Didn't it? of the year, possibly. Dude, Barfelemy looked like a junior middleweight. He does. He looks like he <gasps> yeah, he looks like he should be a middleweight. Yeah. He's six foot tall, isn't he?
1: I, I don't know how tall he is, but he's he was a foot and a half taller than now, I think Shavakoff was only five foot five though, which is tiny. Right. But still, as a lightweight, I mean, think about it. Man, your Yorkus Gambo is five foot five, right? Yeah. Okay, so there are some. Yeah, you know, Terence Crawford was fighting at lightweight. He was five foot nine. Okay, four inch difference. But yeah, there was a good six to eight inch yeah. height difference in this fight. But I tell you what, dude, Dennis Shavakov, ha, my boy, was fighting like it was like the world was like nuclear bombs were going off all <laughs> around him. He
0: was just <laughs> fighting till the end. If you lose this fight, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seemed like. Yeah.
1: And you know what? I had Shavakov winning this thing until he got cut.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, very, very close fight. Um,
1: it seemed like that cut as it got wider over his eye.
0: Yeah. First time the doctor stopped to check it, it seemed like that's when everything changed. Yeah, Bartholomew turned it on late. Started finally, like, dude, the start of that fight, I'm, he's throwing them little jabs out there. It's like, that's how full f- you even call that a jab? Yeah. That's full speed. Yeah, it was pathetic. I mean, absolutely pathetic. And even his other power punches looked weak he looked like he was punching in slow motion like he was punching through water or something yeah it,
1: it, it, why was he fighting he did not have to fight like that he could have boxed circles around shavikov
0: yeah but he wants to lay on the inside with a guy that's that's exactly what he wants to do was he trying to prove a point point? and to me that fight could have easily it could have been a draw it, it really it was very very close man what was your scorecard uh i had it a draw i had it 114 114 and i have two swing rounds in five and seven which i gave to shavikov which maybe you could have given to barthelemy which is fine i'm I'm not going to argue the outcome of that fight was very close it was a tale of two halves basically and and look it's fine barthelemy gets the win I, i won't argue that that outcome anybody
1: spot robert hoyle at the bar again Jeez, one nineteen to one oh
0: nine. There is absolutely no way it was that wide of a margin. Two or three points maximum. Does
1: anybody have any footage of like him, like accepting cash from the Watsons, or like, like them hanging out? Like, I know, I know, nobody's ever seen Al Heyman. Is is, is that Al Heyman? It Robert might be. Ho- Robert Hoyle. Is that am, he, who knows? It could be Al Heyman. <laughs> what, but dude, this is like the fourth outlier scorecard this year by Robert Hoyle.
0: Yeah, he's been one of the worst him and Adelaide bird and the, uh, there's been a, another couple ones where you're like Jesus Christ come on. Yeah, he's been really bad, man.
1: Uh across the board really uh really really bad. You know, it, you know it's too bad though, too man because I, I don't know, dude. I don't know. You know the Fernando Mon- Montiel Lee Selby fight nine 109. Lee Selby looked like shit in that fight.
0: Yeah, he did.
1: You know, he looked like absolute garbage in that fight. Um you know, what was another one that he did? Oh, the freaking Jonathan Okendo-Johnny Gonzalez fight. 98-90. What? I mean, dude, did you watch the fight?
0: Yeah. Very. I, I mean, But these
1: are all Al Heyman cards. A uh, coincidence here?
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> more than a coincidence.
1: People are calling it out, but they won't go as far to call for his head. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, retire the guy. Yeah. Don't let him do fights that mean something.
0: Sit him down, please. He, he's yeah. fucking with the outcomes of fights, man. Come on. Yeah, but then that would go against our dishonesty. Yeah. We need to uphold our lack of integrity here,
1: Vin. <laughs> Murat Gassiev, Isaiah Thomas. Well, Isaiah Thomas came in and shaped, didn't he? Oh, man, he was ready for this fight. <laughs> Don't you love when a fighter says in, like, the pre-fights, oh, I'm doing this for, you know, I'm doing this for the old Kronk uh, Gym and you know, uh, you, know, this is, you know, this is all for uh, you know, uh, my, my heart and my dedication in Detroit. And, you know, I'm fighting for everything and everybody I've ever loved. And, and meanwhile, his belly's jiggling while he's saying this. Like everything that he's saying, he's like, oh, yeah, I worked real hard for this fight. Come on, man. He lays on the ropes and the announcing team is actually saying, Isaiah Thomas, stop. You can't do that. I do not like it how he is laying on the ropes. They said it repeatedly. I do not like how he's laying on the ropes. Boom. Overhand right sends him, almost flips him over the ropes. He goes, Whoa. Matrix is back forward, right? And you can see Gassiev's hands. He literally, he literally goes, as, as that punch lands, Isaiah Thomas is coming back. His hands start to move like this. He's getting ready to throw the straight left. Right Hands are moving. Ding. So the bell rings. Right. Okay, so it's not on purpose, right? The left lands and then the right the right follows right behind it. And it was literally I think the left landed at the buzzer. Right. The right lands after the buzzer, and Isaiah Thomas goes <laughs> Yeah, he looked like Beaker from the Muppets. He's a like... Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> you know, just Um, and then Jane 80 calls the fight off and it's over because he was, uh, what was the terminology that they used? He, uh, uh, was diminished.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He was diminished. All right. He was, was diminished before he got in the fucking ring. Yeah.
1: Um, dude, it was a matter of time. Gassiev was just waiting for Isaiah Thomas to, you know, to knock him out. And what's sad is, is that we all know how this fight was going to go. Yeah. Yep. Gassiev was going to knock him out and he did knock him out, but sometimes this happens in boxing, at least you got to give Jane Nady the credit to at least, he at least realized that it was nowhere near egregious. Right. What drives me mad is somebody that has nothing to do with the fight. Okay. This is one of the things that the allegiances and the, the, the accusations of sham promoters and these guys just latching on like dingleberries and selling their souls to the devil, as we say, why Somebody like Lou DiBella comes out after this fight. That was blatant. It was egregious. That fight should have been, uh, you know, he should have been disqualified. It was so clear. No, it wasn't even remotely clear to being egregious. It wasn't even remotely close to being purposeful or spiteful or hateful. There was no malice or I want to kill this guy behind that. It was a ding. I mean, his, his fists. Ding! It was already in motion, man. You ain't stopping it. You're but, not but why what the fuck does Lou have to do with this? Because he's team Heyman. Yeah. And Gasiev's not a Heyman guy.
0: Jack, team Heyman. Jackass of the Year is is Lou I mean they're there not even close. You got you could go, travesty. We cut their ward in half and give give a little to Espinoza too. Oh I,
1: dude, Espinosa's the troll of the year. <laughs> Where's that picture of that award that guy made with the dildo? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. Gervonta, real quick, and we'll close the show. Sloppy. Needs work, but he's got power. He's got serious power. Did it look to you like he was more concerned with showing off to the guy sitting in the front row?
0: Yeah, that relationship is going to cost his career, man. He needs to separate from Floyd Mayweather. For one, I think it gives him a big head. Like I think he thinks he's already made it in the sport because Floyd Mayweather has put the certified stamp on him. <laughs> he he looked like he was trying to almost like in between rounds you see him look over. He's got his 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 cornerman in front of him and he's going, What do you think, Floyd? Oh yeah? Fight like you? Be safe? Don't yeah, okay. I'll I'll try that impersonate you yeah he goes out and does that for a couple rounds and looks like shit total shit and then he comes back and and is aggressive and gets to work dude i think he's a guy that's just for one if he's going to be one thing he's going to be an exciting fighter to watch because if he fights in that aggressive style he's uh he's careless he's reckless but he's got one punch knockout power right but if he tries to impress floyd oh he's done he's going to fight like somebody who
1: looks like they don't know what they're doing
0: yes he was abs- trying to, to to pull off the shoulder roll defensively was it just wasn't working for him.
1: Yeah, he looks very amateurish to me. Um, he's for the furthest thing from a polished fighter. Oh yeah, he doesn't have the physical attributes that Floyd Mayweather has to even fight like that. He's a he's squatty, he's stocky, he's strong, he's more of a tank.
0: Short for the division,
1: very short for the division. Um, yeah, man, I, I agree with you that I think the worst thing for this kid is being with Floyd Mayweather.
0: Yeah, it is. He needs to separate from that and needs to be his own man or, or else he's... But he's not going to. No. Well, maybe if he loses once and Floyd backs off. Then what do you know about about about
1: that? What do you know about that?
0: I don't know shit, apparently. What do you know, man? I don't know shit about boxing, Ken. Just here <laughs> spouting off.
1: Yeah, man, you don't know nothing about that. No. You don't know nothing about Floyd. It's it's You don't even know. You got the wrong hat on, son. Yeah. If you had the right hat on, you'd know.
0: Catch me in a TMT hat be the day I'm avoiding getting shot in the face because I had uh, to put it I on. Was, I
1: was just going to say I would have uh, fucking take my Remington 870 and blow your brains out. Yeah.
0: I would only put it on if somebody's like, put that on or I'm going to fucking kill you.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, dude, he's got a lot of work to do, man. Yeah. A lot of work to do. He, dude, and that's just it. I think... I think Davis, like you said, with his power, he could have just came in there.
0: I could have blasted him out in two or three rounds. Right. But he wanted to play Floyd.
1: Yeah. Hey, Floyd, you watching? <laughs> Look what I'm doing, Floyd. <sighs> I don't know. The way he stood over Sanchez, though, after that knockdown, man, really yeah. really rubbed me the wrong way.
0: Yeah, don't do that shit, man. Come on.
1: Acting like he's somebody, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Acting like he's arrived. Like, I ain't got nothing left to prove. Look, I can, I can mock my opponent. It's like, dude... I know it's Luis Sanchez. I know a dozen, one thirty fives that would wreck you. Yeah. Imagine him. I, I made this point to you while we were watching the fight. I texted you and I said, "Can you believe that Gervonta Davis is five pounds removed from Victor Postal's
0: weight class?" Oh yeah, and he would just man.
1: I mean, seriously, that would be a crime. Yeah, it would. that would be criminal. A six foot tall, giant.
0: Man. Yeah, there's nowhere for Davis to go. I mean, he's he's gonna be firmly planted in this weight class or else he's gonna be in big trouble.
1: Big trouble. Because if he gets the one forty, he's done.
0: Yeah, it's just too much size for him, man. I don't care if he's squatty and can punch hard. Uh he's gonna take some serious damage trying to get in and do damage to his opponent being that short.
1: Gervonta versus Provodnikov.
0: That's probably a, a fun ass fight, I'll tell you that
1: but what Gervonta what Gervonta can do would that have any effect on Provodnikov?
0: No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, you take the the knockout out of the equation for him against against Provodnikov, he stands no chance.
1: I think Provodnikov would probably feel they'd be like, come on man, I'll fight this guy. Pick him up. Put him in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him go.
0: <laughs> what do you wind him up?
1: Uh, yeah, he's definitely not one of my top prospects. I don't know about you.
0: No, no, he's not going to make my prospect list. Yeah.
1: Um. So there you go, Javonta Davis. That's the PBC. It's the most time we've spent talking about a PBC card in quite a minute.
0: Yeah, it is. Quite wow. A minute. Yep. Unbelievable. We chose that one, huh? Mm. <laughs> uh,
1: a lot of action next week in Japan. Um, it's the uh, you know marks the return of in a way. Um, yeah, Junior Banimate. Uh, Bannaway scrap for Inaway's WBO title. If you get an opportunity to get to feed this fights on Tuesday, December 29th, check it out. If you haven't seen him, he's one of those guys that people kind of talk in reverence about. Yeah. You know, along along the same lines as guys you just don't see. Uh, you know, the Usiks and the Lomachenkos and the you know the Chocolatitos before you know mainstream boxing America, uh, Western civilization was introduced yeah. to Chocolatito in a way. In a arguably if there's one thing about Inaway I will say this is worth worth tuning into. If you want to see the exact proper methodology, if you are a young fighter and you want to learn how to punch to the body, turn into tune into an Inaway fight. Yeah, he's he,
0: one of the, one of the best body punchers in boxing. Top 3. Yeah.
1: Uh, top 3 and and I put him right there at the top, right there at the top. So that's definitely something to tune in uh uh tune in for uh Takashi Uchiyama's back in action. Um, uh, Katsunari Takayama there's a lot of action uh, actually a big fight in Osaka Japan on the 31st uh, uh, Kazuto Aoki against Juan Carlos uh, Reveco in the flyweight division that should be a pretty action packed fight so I mean there are fights but good luck finding the streams to them yeah that's going to be the tough part um, no doubt about it so I guess that will do it for episode 94 my friend yes sir get, let's get into some award shows brother yes sir it is time to close the season Uh, No doubt about it. So, uh, yeah, Vince and I will be back with episode 95, my friends. Episode 95 next week to kick off the award season. We got fighter of the year, fight of the year, knockout of the year. Big ones. The big boys are coming indeed. And plus, we're going to do a countdown of the pound for pound. That's right. The top 10 pound for pound. On the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. A countdown of the top 10 prospects in all the land, plus the prospect of the year. It's going to be episode after episode, video after video. So be sure to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Get the audio version on iTunes today. Subscribe as the videos come flying your way. We hope everybody has a safe and sound holiday, and we will talk to you all after Christmas. So Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. You've been listening to the Tale of the Table. Muchas gracias, everybody.